0: Welcome to Dire Trip, where we deep dive into all sorts of spooky, horrific, or just plain weird crimes, lawsuits, and strange happenings all over the world. Without further ado, let's get into today's story. Today's video is sponsored by LFS Logistics. Your product, our priority. Relevant links and details, including how to get a quote, are down in the description below. A woman, being stalked by a very dangerous individual, went to the police multiple times with mountains of evidence, including printings and recordings, only to be shut down each and every time, being told that she had no case until the inevitable happened. Stalking has been a problem in Japan for quite some time now and has arguably gotten even worse during the social media age. Some cases of stalking and in a restraining order, some in the need to move to a new city, or some in much worse ways. This is one of the cases that still sticks out in the mind of the public upon hearing the word stalker. In 1999, Shiori Ino was a 21-year-old college student living a normal college life, going to class, hanging out with friends, and having a good time. In January of 1999, Shiori was doing just that, and went out with one of her friends to a game center arcade near Omiya Station in the Omiya Ward of Saitama. There, she met a man named Kazuhito Komatsu. When they met, Kazuhito gave Shiori a fake name and told her that he was three years younger than he actually was. He also told her that he was a dealer of foreign cars, quite a wealthy one at that, and then he also dabbled in real estate and selling precious metals, but this was also a lie. The actual truth was that he owned a chain of six or seven what he called massage parlors these massage parlors as you might guess were actually a front for brothels kazuhito dealt in what was called at the time the underworld of saitama with his brother a firefighter named takeshi shiori and kazuhito started dating but they weren't too serious most of their outings would consist of shiori hopping into kazuhito's car and going on drives together usually stopping to eat somewhere and then returning home Despite having a fairly casual relationship that had only lasted a few weeks, Kazuhito started getting very bold with the gifts he would give to Shiori. After only about four or five dates, he started giving her incredibly expensive gifts, like Louis Vuitton handbags or Gucci suits, which he would always hand over in public for maximum levels of showiness. Feeling a strange, uncomfortable feeling, Shiori would always try to refuse the gifts. If she did, though, Kazuhito would fly into a rage in public, showing her his true colors for the first time. After seeing how truly emotionally unstable Kazuhito was, Shiori started having real doubts about the future of this relationship. These doubts changed from simply being uncomfortable to full-on suspicion one night when the two were out and Shiori came across Kazuhito's credit card and ID on the dashboard of his car. Both of which revealed his actual name, causing Shiori to realize for the first time that this man must be hiding something if he wouldn't even want to reveal his actual name to her. After that, Kazuhito unexpectedly called Shiori out to the hospital one night. She rushed over to see him in his hospital room, surprised to see a gang of thugs surrounding him. He bragged to all of them that he had just hit a mini police patrol car on purpose, laughing about it as if it were nothing. Siori had no idea what she had gotten herself into by dating this man, but she knew it wasn't good. On March 20th, Kazuhito asked her to come to his apartment for a bit. When she did, she noticed that he had installed a camera inside of his apartment. When she asked him why it was there, Kazuhito flew into a rage, punching the wall just a few inches from her head. Don't you dare go against me, he said. If that's how you're going to be, pay me back the 10 million yen I paid you for your gifts. If you can't do that, go work it off at the brothel. We're going to your parents' place now. We're going to tell them all about our relationship, he shouted. First, Shiori had doubts. Then she had suspicions. Now she had full-on fear for this man. At this point, she decided it was time to call it all quits. They hadn't even been dating that long, and Kazuhito had already revealed himself to be a manipulative liar with anger issues at the least. At most, he could have easily been a truly dangerous individual. After all, she had no idea who this man even really was. In the end though, she didn't really know how to get out of this relationship gracefully. She feared that he might realistically try to kill her if she did. By this point, Kazuhito was frequently blowing up Shiori's phone and doing all he could to control her activity. Fearing the worst, on March 30th, Shiori decided to leave behind a final note for her friends and family to act as a will, just in case. She then told Kazuhito that she wanted to break things off with him. As you might expect, things did not go well. By this point, Kazuhito had actually hired a private detective to look into Shiori and her family, digging up information about her friends, sibling, and especially her father that he couldn't have known otherwise. Flexing what he knew, he started telling Shiori details about her father's employment that she had never told him herself. He then threatened both her and her family with violence, going as far to say that he would beat her brother, an elementary school student, if she didn't continue the relationship. Hoping to keep her family out of all of this, Shiori decided to tell Kazuhito that she would continue the relationship. In reality, she was in constant contact with her friends, trying to get their advice on how to get out of this while minimizing the damage to her friends and family during the fallout. However, this wouldn't happen. Despite promising to continue the relationship, Kazuhito and his goons started calling her friends and family so often that they began to fear him themselves. On April 21st, Kazuhito likely assumed that Shiori was getting advice from her friends. He ordered her to destroy her cell phone. He, for the first time, threatened to end her life if she continued having these thoughts of ending the relationship. Shiori then started telling her friends on numerous occasions, I might end up getting killed. On June 14th, Shiori decided once and for all to break things off with Kazuhito, telling him that it was over, for good this time. For the first time, she went to her mother and told her the truth about everything that had been happening. She then went to a cafe with Kazuhito and told him, no matter what he said this time, it was over. Feeling that the deed was done, she simply went home. Unfortunately, so did Kazuhito, his brother Takeshi, and one more man shortly after, showing up at her home at around 8 p.m. They told Shiori's mother that Kazuhito had embezzled massive amounts of money from his company and that Shiori was an accomplice, saying that she had lost her mind somewhere along the way, something that obviously wasn't true. He continued to argue about all of this for over an hour until Shiori's father returned home. Shiori's father wasn't interested in taking any crap from any of them. Unfazed, he demanded they get out of his house right now and take back the overpriced gifts that Kazuhito had forced on his daughter. The three did leave the house, but they insisted that they weren't interested in taking the gifts back. Little did the three men know, Shiori had actually recorded audio of the entire altercation. Thinking ahead, she had figured that she would need to get some sort of evidence to give to the police if push came to shove. The next day, she went to the Saitama police station in Ageo with her family in order to give them the audio recording and inform the police of everything that had been happening to her. The police then took an inquiry of the whole incident. Much to their dismay, an officer told them that although this case was borderline criminal, it was more of a civil issue. They said that the claims that he threatened her safety couldn't be confirmed in the end. Shiori's mother demanded that they at least conduct some sort of investigation, only for the officer to tell her, "'I can't be sticking my nose into civil matters. If I did, I don't know what the higher-ups would come say to me. You can come back if anything happens again.' That very day, upon coming home, the family received a barrage of calls from someone only calling himself Tanaka, who demanded that they return Kazuhito's gifts. These calls would go on to continue for months, occurring daily at least once. A few days later, Shiori again went back to the police station with her parents, and they again refused to do anything about her case. They even told her that this whole ordeal was her fault for breaking up with a man right after accepting expensive gifts from him. They suggested that she go to a free legal office nearby and inquire there about what they could do. They did, only to have the lawyer wave them off, saying roughly the same thing that the police had just told them. The next day, Shiori got another call from Kazuhito with an unfamiliar number. He demanded that she get back together with him. She informed him that she had been in contact with the police about all of this. He predictably flew into a rage, but he hung up fairly quickly. On the 21st, Shiori gave all the gifts that she had received to her father, who then shipped them to Kazuhito's address. He then informed the police that everything had been sent back. That very next day, Kazuhito started planning what Shiori had feared all along. He got his brother, Takeshi, to approach a former manager of one of their massage parlors, a 33-year-old man named Yoshifumi Kubota. He asked if he would be willing to take 20 million yen in exchange for pulling a hit on someone, saying that it would be for Kazuhito. Kubota agreed fairly easily, saying that he wanted to recruit two of his own men to help with the job. These two men were named Akira Kawakami and Yoshitaka Ito. The plan slowly started to formulate over the course of a few weeks. In July, Kazuhito, in order to give himself an alibi, decided to head off to Okinawa and lay low for a while. For the next four months, Kazuhito and his goons did everything they could to ruin the lives of Shiori and her family. Along with the usual threats over the phone, they also started printing hundreds and hundreds of posters and leaflets, with information slandering Shiori and her father, and placed them all over town. They even went as far as distributing them throughout Shiori's father's workplace, accusing him of all sorts of different crimes. Shiori's father went to the police one more time, showing them the prints, only for the police to say that there wasn't really anything they could do, that they were very busy right now. They tried to press libel charges, but a senior precinct police officer shut them down, worrying that having such an unresolved, open case would hurt their reputation. While the cops muddled around and refused to help, the three hitmen, Kubota, Kawakami, and Ito, referencing a photo of Shiori, staked out her house and the path to the local train station as they planned how they might take her out. It was now October of 1999. The harassment, threats, and slander toward Shiori and her family had continued for months. The family returned to the police over and over again throughout this time period, only to be shut down each and every time, accomplishing nothing in the end. On October 26th, all of these months of harassment would culminate into one final, heinous act. Shiori left her home, as she usually did, on her bicycle and headed toward the Okegawa train station at around noon in order to take a ride to her university, having afternoon classes that day. One of the hitmen, Ito, was scouting the area from a car nearby, waiting for her to leave her house. He called up Kawakami, who then drove out to the train station and dropped Kubota off. They told Kubota, just slash at her thighs, don't make this a big thing, to which he responded, no promises. Shiori rode up to the bike racks at a local shopping center near the station and got off her bicycle, ready to lock it up. As she did, Kubota walked up to her. He then took out a knife and stabbed her in the side, trying to use as little motion as possible not to raise suspicions. Shiori and Shock turned to face him, and he stabbed her once again in the heart this time. She screamed and fell to the ground as Kubota walked off, as she bled heavily. It wasn't long before passerbys called an ambulance. At first, they thought that he had actually snatched her purse and ran off, something that wasn't too uncommon. They chased him into a nearby shop, but lost him somewhere along the way. Shiori was rushed to Ageo General Hospital, but she didn't make it. She was pronounced dead at 12.50pm. Her death was eventually attributed to massive blood loss. At this time, the police were trying to get a statement from Shiori's mother. As she asked if her daughter was okay, the police told her her condition isn't good, but we're doing our best. At 3 p.m., she was told that Shiori had just died. Shiori's mother learned later that her daughter had actually died hours earlier, vowing to sue the police for failing to take her to the hospital and making her wait around in a police car instead. Meanwhile, Kawakami and Ito were freaking out, saying they couldn't believe that Kubota had really just done it. Kubota, hopping into the car with them, said, I stabbed her. I did it twice. Why? Why did I do that? All three flew into a panic when the realization of what they had done set in. They lay low at a local karaoke place and decided that they all needed to go into hiding. They divided up the money, had the car destroyed, and fled. Kazuhito out in Okinawa was informed of what happened. Those around him said that, even after he must have received the call, his demeanor didn't particularly change. Aside from one strange act, that is, calling a life insurance company out in Ikebukuro in Tokyo. Right after Shiori's murder, the police started immediately manufacturing false information against both her and her family. They knew that they had known about this case for a long time and chosen to do nothing. This was undoubtedly going to reflect very, very badly on them. So they started doing damage control. They started saying that Shiori was a promiscuous young woman who made a habit of flirting with wealthy men in order to receive lavish gifts from them. They were really doing all they could to harm her image and reduce public sympathy for the case. The mainstream news at the time, seeing no reason not to believe them, took the information as fact and spread it themselves. They upped the ante, however, deciding to say, for some reason, that Shiori was actually working as one of Kazuhito's prostitutes at the time, sullying her reputation even further. This all continued until one brave solo journalist, a man named Kiyoshi Shimizu, felt something was off and decided to investigate the case from scratch himself. He compiled all the data he could find and released a huge expose on this case in a magazine called Focus, where he detailed Shiori's long-running problems with Kazuhito Komatsu and the lack of action taken by the police. He also, for the first time, included a picture of Kazuhito for the public to see. After this, the killers weren't able to evade the police for too long. Two months later, in December, Kubota was caught and arrested. The very next day, Kawakami and Ito were also found and taken in. Finally, Kazuhito's brother, Takeshi, was arrested as well. In the process, eight other people who had assisted Kazuhito in stalking and harassing Shiori were arrested throughout the next month. Of course, an arrest warrant had also been issued for Kazuhito himself, but he was proving a hard man to find. He had fled out to Sapporo and Hokkaido, and he was successfully evading the police. That was until none other than Kiyoshi Shimizu tracked him down in January himself. Kazuhito Komatsu, however, would never come to be arrested. This is because he chose to take his own life instead, with his body found floating in a lake in Teshikaga. He left his luggage behind at a hotel, which, when searched by the police, was found to contain a note in which he detailed that he had planned to end his life after all of this had happened. He blamed Shiori, her family, and the media for false allegations against him. He detailed that he hoped his life savings and life insurance he had taken out would prove useful to his family. And that was it. Eventually, the heat came crashing down on the Saitama police. Public perception had pulled a complete 180 on them when it was revealed that not only did they completely mishandle this case, but they had ruined Shiori's reputation in order to save their own. The head of the police finally gave a formal apology to Shiori's family, but the damage was done. Nothing they could ever say or do would bring her back or erase the neglect they had done. After an investigation into the police force, six officers were disciplined. Three senior officers were even fired and hit with charges of falsifying documents after it came to be known that they had refused to process the libel charges that Shiori's family had pressed months back. In September of 2000, two of these officers, Toshio Katagiri and Hirokazu Furuta, were both sentenced to a year and a half in prison. The third, a man named Tsuyoshi Honda, was sentenced to one year and two months. Unfortunately, all three of them received suspended sentences, seeing no actual jail time. In December of 2000, Shiori's family formally sued the Saitama police. The courts ruled in their favor, saying that the police would have to pay them compensation, but they failed to acknowledge that the police neglect had paid a factor in Shiori's murder. The killers finally saw their court dates as well. Kubota, the man who stabbed Shiori, was sentenced to 18 years in prison. The other two, Kawakami and Ito, each ended up with 15 years. Takeshi, who had organized the whole hit along with Kazuhito, was sentenced to life in prison. He appealed for years, making it all the way up to the Supreme Court. Luckily, the sentence was upheld. As a direct result of this case, in November of 2000, a new stalker refutation law took effect, allowing the police to act sooner when stalking and harassment cases such as these take place. Kiyoshi Shimizu went on to receive both the Editor's Choice Magazine Journalism Award and the National Association of Commercial Broadcasters Award for his work on this case. He went on to receive the same awards again a few years later for his excellent work in another case featuring similar instances of police neglect, a case we'll be looking into very soon. Once again, this has been your host, Kyle. Thank you very much for listening to today's podcast episode. Feel free to look through my huge library of other stories if you found this one interesting, and be sure to be there for the next stories that come out each and every week. Have a good night.